Good morning and welcome to episode 45 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue here with co-host John Shipley. Take two, John. How are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm We're on episode 44, but other than your uh, little time travel there, we're doing good, buddy. Ain't no way. I, I checked it right before. Oh, man. This is the first it, time I haven't asked you before the show. It, you know, <laughs> the last June 26, 44. What? What what's what's the Simpsons meme? It was it was like, is it me who is out of touch? You're right. It is 45. Wow. I yeah. I, I completely whiffed on that one. Well, you've been butchering me Oof. in the polls for these ranking segments that we're doing, so I have to, I gotta take my wins. <laughs> <laughs> Two and O champ. I'm I'm yeah. gonna get a custom a custom belt wrestling belt for it. Have it over my shoulder every time I dominate you in a ranking. <laughs> this one's gonna be a bigger bloodbath than the last one. Oh, you think so? I'm nervous about this one because I feel like it's way more subjective. And I don't know. No. We'll see. No, right, there's, we'll... there's right and there's wrong. And I'll let you know which one you are later. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to our rankings later. We've got a, a good non-football one today. But this is going to be our last show before training camp starts for the Jaguars. So we figured we'd start off with some predictions or things to watch. The team announced today a couple of – I think there's 13 total – uh, training camp days that are open to the general public and only one of them is like only for season ticket holders so you can go on their website to register and to go watch the team yourself but john what are you going to be looking for when training camp starts on july 26 for oh, me training camp is always a really like unique experience like it's a grind dude like even just covering it it's a grind you get through the middle of it and Players are ready for it to be over. Coaches are ready for it to be over. Everybody involved in the process, even media, is like, all right, let's get this over with. Like, it's really the entire season's a grind, but training camp and the middle part of the season are the two toughest parts, I'd say. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the – this is not a sponsored segment, but the Miller Electric Center. I'm I'm looking forward to the new digs. Really, where you – it's going to be the first training camp there. Now, last year's training camp was at Episcopal, which I, I honestly didn't mind. Like, it, it was super hot, obviously. Uh, wasn't exactly the biggest, you know, facility for, for them to use. They didn't have a ton of amenities and stuff. But I felt like I could get way closer to the action than, like, other Jaguars training camps. They had a, their old practice fields that aren't there anymore. But they would have two, you know, full fields, you know, right next to each other. And there are stands like in an L. So there are stands right by one of them. Right. And then you can kind of see the other one, but you're just on one end zone. Yeah. So they would purposefully put everything in the, like the far corner of it. So you <laughs> like you need like but like you can't go down there. So you would need like binoculars to literally watch everything. And people like people would ask me, they were like, what? What was Trevor's like passing stats for today? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't able to count them. I literally posted like a gif of like someone using binoculars like today on Big Cat Country for like training camp news because that's kind of what it feels like. It's like everyone's just up there in the stands. Even yeah. the media, though, like I, like you're saying, everyone's just kind of squinting to try to figure out. Yeah. Something. So yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how the new how the new one is. I'm knowing that it's a football facility. I'm pretty sure they'll have something built in to help them kind of hide from media because every football coach, you know, doesn't <laughs> doesn't want media to be anywhere near them or the football team. But I'm I'm excited to see it. That'll be good. Yeah, it'll be the first time that media has you got your own little room in there, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we're we're so media's had a work room at the. I don't. Is it called Everbank officially? Yeah, I don't know at. At the big dark dungeon that has a bank in the name of it, we we've had meteor rooms in there before, but it's like I, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't let Apollo you know have that meteor room as his bedroom. So I'm I'm excited for for new meteor rooms. I'm excited for for new. You know, it it really feels like you know things with them are like I remember when I first got there in 2019. Like obviously, super excited to be on an NFL beat and stuff, but you could tell that 
they just it, it wasn't like a lot of other NFL teams, you know. It was really Mickey Mouse type stuff, and it really now feels like they've you know elevated their game on their operations front. Well, one thing that will be new is Calvin Ridley. I mean, he's been kind of had a fire off season so far, just with the amount of hype that he's gotten from media to coaches to fellow players to even like non teammates like Devonte Adams and Manu. Uh, I was gonna say Manu Ginobili, Mohamed. <laughs> Devonta Smith, wasn't it? Manu. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's had quite the offseason without having actually like done that much on the field, and so this will be just kind of another step closer to the action for him and us all getting to watch it. So I feel like he'll easily be the biggest player storyline from camp. But, but is there anyone else you're going to be keeping your eye on? I've had several, like more than one Jaguars players like tell me, like, this dude's one of the best players I've ever seen, like live in a practice, and he like has like maybe a dozen practices with them under his belt. Like, mm-hmm. I, any questions I think of him not being like I, I, I don't think anybody who's expecting big things for him is going to look stupid. I, I, I think he's like a real deal number one dude. And I mean, did, did you see that picture of him and Kirk with uh, Hop, DeAndre Hopkins and Debo? He looks joked, man. Yeah, it looks joked, and he posted that he did like almost 19 miles per hour on the treadmill and stuff like that. He, he, he's going to be a monster, I think. And I'm excited for fans to see what we saw during the off season with him. Whereas a lot of times, like maybe guys don't practice as well as they play. Like I, I can honestly say, Zay, Zay Jones last year in training camp, he had a couple good days here and there, but he was. It just he's not a player who's going to pop off in practice. That's very impressive. You know, he's not a high-end athlete or anything like that. But when the game started, you know, he obviously came through, had a career year. Uh, Christian Kirk, you know, he was maybe – he was a little more exciting than Zay Jones in terms of practice. But he was another guy who – he was just better in games than he was, like, in training camp and stuff. Whereas Ridley, like, you can tell. He's, like, even just in a practice setting. I mean, I mean he, he just moves differently. He's a bad dude. So I, I'm excited for fans to be able to see and be able to confirm with their own eyes that what everybody's saying about him isn't just, you know, rainbow pumping or, or sunshine pumping, right. whatever, whatever, whatever the phrase is. As you said, like even compared to like his teammate receivers who are pretty fast themselves, like Agnew and Kirk and like seeing Ridley and drills compared to them is like he's just a different cat and moves at a different speed. I agree. He does look bigger. Like I feel like whenever I see like highlights of him from the Falcons, especially like all twenty-two when it's zoomed out a little bit, he looks like skinny as a rail. And now it's like he's not DK Metcalf or anything, but he doesn't really feel like that skinny anymore either. Yeah. So yeah, and like the only reservation I really had about him after like the off season that he's had was like just the fact that he's been away from the game for so long. But that's almost been like kind of gone away for me just based on like how careful the Jaguars are treating him. Like it's pretty obvious that he wants to go a lot faster. And Peterson yeah. said like and multiple times. Like we gotta kind of slow the brakes on this guy and know what we're doing. And like the fact that he like I said, it's a he's a wide receiver. You know, it's it's not like like if he was a quarterback, like I, I firmly believe among many reasons the nasty man in Cleveland was bad last year was because, you know, he hadn't actually played an NFL game for a couple of years. And if you're a quarterback, you know, that, that's got to be hard. But a wide receiver, I, I think he's going to step right in. So I'm excited to see that. I'm also excited to see the most entertaining part about training camp practice is always the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones. Everybody always flocks to them. I, I really enjoyed watching them last year because Leon Searcy, I stood next to him watching them, and he would – Tell me, yeah, all the things the Jaguars tackles were doing wrong. And yeah, it, it's just cool to get that kind of insight. But, you know, the one on ones is always the thing that people look forward to the most. And I'm looking forward to, I mean, walk a little on Anton and matchups against Trayvon and Josh Allen, I think are going to be like appointment viewing. And I, I know pads weren't on, but I know a couple of Jags coaches are really impressed with the limited reps that they saw Anton versus Josh Allen and some padless one-on-ones during minicamp. So that's, that's something I'm really looking forward to is just seeing, you know, how that, how they really stock up. Cause you can tell a lot about, you know, whether guys are ready to go or not. I mean, last year, Trayvon, you know, his one-on-ones on the edge weren't very good. And then when they would slide him inside, he would absolutely destroy people. And that <laughs> translated completely, you know, to the field. So yeah. I'm excited to see how Anton holds his own at right tackle and how Walker does. Okay. 
I'll be looking forward to just like trying to like feel out the vibes of everyone because I feel like since it's not like 100% effort or 100% speed, like I don't know, I'm gonna look for like just like who's like moving quickly and confidently and mostly like Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd because I think both of them, especially Lloyd, but definitely both of them like need to play a little bit faster and like think a little bit less going forward and if they can do it in year two like as soon as possible then that'll be pretty huge for the defense so like seeing if you can like i don't know think less and move more quickly is kind of just their confidence level is what i'll be seeing i mean this will basically be devin lloyd's first training camp yeah i think that was a pretty underrated storyline last year was like how he missed all of training camp with a hamstring injury even though he was a little bit of an older prospect, like those are extremely valuable reps. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's like obviously mental reps and stuff, and but it's more than just like sitting on the sideline and watching it. You know, like you, just the speed of the game. Like he was really thrown to the fire. It was like he was healthy and ready to go. Like the bite, the Falcons preseason game, and then the season started like eight days later, and he was throw, basically thrown. To like eight days of healthy practice and obviously week one practice is nothing like training camp so i'll i think that'll be big for him and you know shout out to devin lloyd too i uh i went to shaquille quarterman's camp football camp at uh, oakley high school you know clay clay county built you yeah. know and there was a couple hundred kids there and devin lloyd was actually out there too same with undrafted free agent linebacker daquan jackson he's a jacksonville native but it, it was cool to see devin lloyd out there you know, it's it's clear that he was out there one to give back to the community, but two the because you know him and Shaquille Foreman are pretty close. So it was definitely cool to see uh, some like non you know hometown guys out there really giving back like Devin Lloyd was. Yeah, I think Devin Lloyd actually like hosted his own camp too in the past couple of days, like somewhere in Georgia. So yeah. I mean, definitely excellent too. I think that's one of the best things athletes do. It's I mean, just. The look on kids' faces, like when like they see these guys, because like if you're an NFL player of any status, you're bigger than life to them. So camps is always a really cool thing. There were like over 300 kids at Oakley's man. It was it was wild. It it, it really wow. was. And I felt like I stepped in, into like a time machine because he had teammates from the NFL there, but he also had teammates from high school there, like old Oakley players and stuff. So it was it was really cool to say. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well. My last thing, I guess, is looking at the tight end room just because there was a pretty big recent acquisition. Because the Jags tight end one, baby. Yeah, tight end Josh Peterson, who's Doug Peterson's son, who's bounced around a couple NFL teams, never played like a regular season snap. And then he was really good in what was it, USFL? There you go. Sound it out. Is that what it is? Yeah, USFL. There's too many leagues. I'm sorry. There. Yeah, that's why I was. There, there are too many leagues. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. So, give me your opinion on the optics of it. On it's like it's a really like curious like case to me. Like it's not the first time father and son have ever been you know on a team together. I mean, Tom Coughlin with the Giants, his son-in-law was one of their starting you know offensive linemen, and obviously it's been done before, but. To me, it's so different because, like, yeah, like, if I'm thinking from the viewpoint of the guy who got waived, <laughs> like, I'm probably a little pissed. But it's also, like, if he wasn't Doug Peterson's son, I I mean, he he would fit on, like, like he wouldn't look out of place on a 90-man roster for any other team, you know, going into training camp. Like, like with his production in the USFL and, you know, being in NFL camps before, I mean, he should be on a 90 man roster. So I think literally the only hang up is the fact that, you know, his dad is the head coach. And yeah, I, I don't think they would have signed him if he didn't have a good season in the USFL like he did. But I also, so like, I completely understand people who criticize it because I know nepotism, especially at the NFL level is, you know, a huge thing, mostly when it comes to coaching hires from office hires, because the NFL has failed big time in terms of diversity, but I've also seen a lot of people, you know, compare it to and ask, you know, if the people who had picked pitchforks, me, I've, I, I had, I was double pitchforked for it. During the, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, bro. I, I, I had pitchforks. I had torches. I was, I was up in arms about the Tim Tebow signing in 2021. Yep. 
I don't think it's anything like that. I yeah. I think he had. I think he is like a hundred times more qualified. <laughs> I still don't think he has any chance to make the team. Like I, I thought the Tebow thing was embarrassing, and I know players were offended by it, and that it was a slap in the face because I've had NFL players who were on and off the Jaguars roster then tell me how much of a joke it was, and then he went out there was geriatric on the practice field. The the only thing he ever did a note was beat Joe Schobert in a winner loser special teams competition. That's probably <laughs> the most notable thing either one of them did with uh with the franchise. And then he got well he played he played the one preseason game and got absolutely destroyed. Uh wh- wh- who who were they playing? The Cleveland Browns, I think it was. Yeah it and was- he just got absolutely destroyed. Oh, he got rocked on like one of those blocks. He he like couldn't figure out how to block it was pretty funny watching like the tape of him because he was just like so timid like it was like if like i was asked to go out and play tight end like i would just be like like pretending to put like some hands on someone but like no- he was terrible sort of getting in their way and like i i get it you know that was cronyism this is probably nepotism but josh peterson he's not 34 he's not a decade removed from playing an organized football game he's played the position before his coach has some credibility, and he's literally been on an NFL roster before. Like you said, he hasn't played in the game, but Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Kyle Shanahan have all coached him before. So I don't know. I, like, I, I see both sides. Like, I, if you want to criticize it, I'm not going to argue against you. But if you compare it to the Tebow thing, I will argue against you. Because <laughs> I'll go to my grave saying that is one of the most embarrassing signings an NFL team has ever, could ever, or will ever make. And Tim Tebow does not belong on an NFL field again, unless he's like I, I, I don't I don't even know what would constitute him being allowed to be on on an NFL field. Nothing. He's got to be like thirty seven by he's, now. He, he's like 35, 36. He's thirty five. But like, what what would he do? He was like people were trying to figure out the answer to that question. Like when he like was recently in the league or not recently in the league when he just got into the league. Like, yeah, his Broncos. Then, like, what are you gonna do with him now? Yeah, and I think it was the Patriots. Uh, no, it was the Jets that he was upset that he was doing things other than playing quarterback for them. So I don't know. Like, I, 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 I get the Peterson, you know, maybe criticisms, but you know, I think you made a good point though about the like fifty-three man roster versus the ninety-man roster. Like, if he makes the team over someone, then like, yeah, that's like. Clear nepotism, yeah. probably, and like just not cool. But I feel like just for like giving him a chance and like training camp, it should be a cool story. And like just the Tim Tebow fiasco from two years ago has kind of like tainted that image of like, yeah, I mean, it's just like a guy trying to give his son a chance. It's not giving his son like the full starting job. And it'd be different if his son like hasn't hasn't played like if it was three years removed from college and hasn't played since then. right. And it was like, oh, my son was a, you know, you Louisiana Monroe tied in three years ago. That, that'd be different, you know. Like he's actually been playing football, you know. Like somebody likely would have signed him, but I don't know. We'll we'll see in training camp, obviously, how he looks. But just, I mean, on the surface of things, the only way I think it'd be a giant problem is if like if you cut if you only keep four tight ends and you cut Garrett Prince for him, then I think you you probably have to answer, you know, answer some things. But just being at training camp. I don't think it's a big deal, but I also get why anybody, especially, you know, anybody who's ever experienced issues with it before is bothered by nepotism. And, you know, speaking of family matters, that wasn't, you know, a ghost or the ring. That was my lovely fiance, Sarah, trying to corral the pets. So great guest for the pod this week. That was nice. I think that was like our first guest appearance in. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. That was good. It was. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. Oh, see, our first guest is a family member. That's uh, is a nepotism podcast. <laughs> oh, this is all of a sudden a pro nepotism podcast, huh? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, <laughs> you uh, you ready to talk about some potential defensive tackle trade targets? I am ready to talk about some potential defense tackle trade targets after we hear from our sponsors. All right, guys. It seems like defensive tackle is like one of the most stacked positions in the NFL, you know, right now. Like 
we can talk about you know some some of these rankings later like espn to me the best like top 10 list every year is espn's top 10 list not because like of its accuracy or anything because there's always a couple rankings that make no sense like they put out cornerbacks today and they had one person like rank Patrick Sertan as like number 10 cornerback in the NFL. And like, yeah, you always get some wonky stuff, but it's cool because you're actually getting it from people in the NFL and stuff. So, you know, like you look at the defensive tackle list and they're like, somebody had, you know, shows you like the lowest, somebody like a defensive tackle was ranked by somebody and somebody ranked Aaron Donald as the third defense, best defense tackle in the league. And on the surface, you're like, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? He's an alien. But I also kind of get it. You know, like Quinter Williams and Chris Jones are freaking insane. So it kind of shows you how crazy the defensive tackle position is right now. And then, yeah, I mean, Quinton Williams is ridiculous. Um, Dexter Lawrence, is that the guy for the Giants? Yeah, sexy Uh, Dexter. Jeffrey Simmons was actually ranked third overall in by the ESPN list, I'm pretty sure. And so, obviously, he's a big name for the he's, rivals. He's insane, too. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, so, I agree. But Hargrave. Right. Oh, man, that Niners defensive line. That was, like, the funnest free agency signing, I feel like. Or the one that yeah. seemed, like, the most exciting in the first wave. Because it was, like, whew. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a stacked position, which kind of shows why it hurts when you whiff on it with guys like Taven Bryan, et cetera. <laughs> Did, did, did you see Taven Bryan randomly catch a stray from the, yeah, like, no, he's catching a stray from you. I guess it's not as random, but Taven's <laughs> catching strays all over. It was so mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the way he said it, like if you actually like listen or watch it instead of just reading the quote, like he just like really emphasizes the point and puts it down. It's pretty good. <laughs> and like it wasn't even accurate. Like, they've put out, like, six or seven NFL defensive linemen since Taven, but he's just tainted it. So, it's – Yeah. Like, uh, It's good stuff. There are some great Taven Bryan stories I, I will tell in this pod one day, but what a guy. Until that day. Today, we're going to do – we're going to talk about two of those top ten guys, uh, Aaron Donald and Quinn Williams, because there's kind of, sort of, maybe some whispers about them getting traded. And so the chances of them getting traded at all, low into the Jaguars, is probably like 0.1%-ish. But it's the offseason. So we're going to talk about what potential trades would look like for the two of them. Um, I mean, for Aaron Donald, we can start with him, 32 years old, on a roster that's probably the worst in the league. So the whispers with him are that if slash when the Rams are horrific this season, then he could be – a potential move at a trade deadline. So like what do you what do you think like compensation would look like for that? What what did the Rams give up? So how old is he? Donald is 32. Okay, the Rams gave up a second and third to get Von Miller who was 32 at the time of that trade. Hmm. And Von like, I, was on like the last like 15 games of his contract. I think Donald has like two more years left on his deal, but he would probably want like an extension or retire either this offseason. Yeah. Next, honestly, that's a that's a fair point. Like I, I'd obviously give up a first for freaking Aaron Donald. I'd I'd give up a first and a future. First and a future pick. Like, it's just hard with the Jaguars because. They literally can't trade their second, third, or fourth round picks because of the Calvin Ridley trade. Right. So it has to be like a first and a future, whatever. So the question is, I don't know. Like Aaron Donald has flirted with retirement. Like, and he's like, it hasn't been the casual flirt. It's been like the, you know, extensive, like Bobby Petrino type, you know, flirting, you know, secretary on the back of the motorcycle flirt. Like he's came real close, you know, to retiring. Yeah, at this point, it's been multiple off-seasons of it, so that's always scary. Yeah, so, like, I, I really feel like he could just walk away at any time, but he's also Aaron freaking top. Right. You know? So, like, just saying you would only give up one first for him sounds insane. So, I don't know. That's that's tough because, like, if, if you're the Jaguars, obviously, either of those moves, Donald more so would be about the short term and, you know, trying to make this Super Bowl run happen. I would say that, I think Donald can 
you know, be that kind of player who pushes you over the edge. Because when you go back to the Rams win over the Bengals, they don't win that game with a player who's 80% as impactful as Donald. You know, like they basically won that game because he completely, you know, destroyed the Bengals offensive line at the game's biggest moments. So would you give up two first? I was going to say the thing that the one that I thought of was Cam Robinson and a first rounder for Donald. Cause like, you're ch- I don't know. You're, ch- you're cheeky. You know that you're cheeky. Okay. Well, okay. For the, so for Cam, like I don't necessarily think the Jaguars are looking to, or even want to trade Cam Robinson. Cause I think they're like, yeah. want to have like three solid tackles for the season. Um, but with that said, like Robinson is in the last year of his deal or actually I don't think that's true, but I think like it's super easy to get out of after this year. He's, yeah, he's got two years left, but after this year is like the out year, right? <clears throat> but so like if the Jaguars like get to like mid season though, and like they have a good record and they feel like they're like up like piece away from being like real real Super Bowl contenders, then like and if like at that point like they've seen four or five games of Anton Harrison and Walker Little start, and they're, like, super convinced by that, then maybe, like, they trade Cam Robinson. And honestly, the biggest thing to get to the end of the point is just that Cam Robinson has the biggest cap hit on the team for 2023. And Donald has a pretty sizable one, too. So, like, you'd have to figure out, like, something with the contracts and, like, give up a little more. Like, maybe throw in, like, fully Fatukazi and just, like, have the Rams kind of burn his contract because, like, Donald would be like taking someone's place in the defensive line rotation. That's um, such a weird trade. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm basically thinking like I'm like a 2K like trade or first and fully fought a Kasi for <laughs> That's not what I said. The <laughs> first Cam Robinson and fully fought a Kasi. Okay, that's not as bad, but no. We're playing Cam, loose with the rules now. Cam, Cam in a first. I feel like the Rams. <laughs> That was so weird. You just threw fully in there. <laughs> well, it's because I was looking at like the cap space and numbers and stuff. I was like, his, oh, he, would, he would maybe make sense. So. His cap number is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's wild. It, yeah, his cap number for the production is like, insane. That's in like how like, much we talk about a Jaguars player to like how much he costs. Like the ratio for Foley is really wild. At, like they nailed last year's free agency class. But there's one contract that right now looks like yeah. that's the one. Which, like, maybe it was just one season. Maybe not. And that's still a great hit rate. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So. My question. Would you trade that same offer but in swap out Cam Robinson and Walker Little? Would you do that trade? Ooh. See, now we're really getting somewhere because that's probably yeah, like, now, acceptable by the Rams. Now we're getting to the nitty-gritty. Mm, probably not because I feel like if that happens like the Jags are gonna like be like six and one or six and two and like feeling really good about themselves and they're like okay our window is right now let's pull the trigger like that seems like I don't know your potential like blindside protector of the next decade alongside Trevor Lawrence for like a one or two year rental I mean it is like the greatest defensive player of my lifetime but for a one-year, two-year rental of, like, anyone. I don't know if that's worth it, considering, like, how valuable Trevor is. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a fair trade, but I wouldn't do it if I were the Jaguars. So, where you draw the line for Aaron Donald is somewhere between Cam Robinson and Walker Little? Pretty much. I'm I'm comfortable giving up, like, a first-rounder for him, though, because it's, that's like, fair enough. if you get Aaron Donald, I mean, even without Aaron Donald, the Jags are going to be picking late in drafts for the next couple of years, but especially with him, like, you'd assume you're going to have, like, a – bottom five pick in the first round. Would you give up two first for Aaron Donald? No players involved. You don't have to lose any tackles. You don't have to lose fully Fadakasi. Would you give up two <laughs> first for Aaron Donald? Oh, I think I might do that. I saw PFF had this article the other day about like future cap space for teams and the Jags ranks number one in this one category. That was basically like the value of players on rookie contracts right now. And when you think about it, it's true considering like Trevor and Tyson Campbell and Walker Little and Trayvon Campbell is really long. They have a ton of like important contributors who are still on their rookie deals. And so I think like, I think because of that, like you can kind of talk yourself into like giving up to future first. Yeah. And also, like you said, the fact that 
you're projecting those first to be like late round, like late first round, like like the Calvin Ridley trade. If they resign him, they're going to be giving up a second rounder. But maybe that second rounder is is in the Britain Strange, you know, draft range. Like, like if you told me you could pick number sixty overall in last year's draft or have Calvin Ridley, I'm going Calvin Ridley. <laughs> and that kind of goes with like the same with Aaron Donald. Like, would you rather have the thirtieth pick in a draft or Aaron Donald? And I don't know. It's it's tough. So I I think we're mostly in agreement on that. What what about Quinnen and my stance is that I would give up two first easily and I'd even give up a day two a day two pick on top of that. He he has like a whole nother decade like to go. Right. You know, like yeah. he's so much younger. I wouldn't do three first, but I thought about three first. So like I, I, I thought, thought about three first too. Like, you know, like I think like two first round picks and then like a round three pick seems like because he's going into his into the last year of his deal, and his kind of situation is that he wants a contract extension before training camp starts, and he wants twenty five to thirty million a year. So, like the Jaguars would trade for him, trade like multiple first round picks for sure, and then give him like a massive extension. So it would be like going pretty much all in on him as like the Trevor Lawrence of their defense, I guess. Uh, he, he won't turn twenty six until December. What did you say? He won't turn 26 until December either. Yeah, and he's like – I feel like last year was kind of his breakout where like the first year or two of his career was a little bit quiet, at least compared to like expectations for a top five or ten pick. But like last year he was a first-team All-Pro and deservedly so. Yeah, I mean uh, last year he had 12 sacks, 28 quarterback hits, 12 tackles for loss. I mean in the last three years, you know, he has 25 sacks – 54 quarterback hits, 29 tackles for loss. So he's the rare, like, defensive tackle that's in – like, there's – to me, like, I'd say five defensive tackles who are impacting the pass and run game at an elite level. It goes him, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, Javon Hargrave, and Chris Jones. And I think he's right up there with Donald just in terms of like what he can do. Like if if you're game planning for the Jets defense, you're game planning for Quinn and Williams. And I remember when he was coming out, uh, there was a that Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, football life or what whatever it was. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They like it showed like Belichick coming like the Alabama's pro day and asking Saban, like, be straight up with me, who who can actually play? And Quinn and Williams was the first dude he brought up and he's like He's one of the best players I've ever had. You could see that in college. And to me, he's been just as good, if not even better, honestly, than I thought he would be. Yeah. Again, like I feel like expectations were pretty high. Maybe he underperformed in the first year or two, but right now he's incredible. He's definitely the kind of superstar that like elevates the uh, performance of the players around him. So even though you've given up a lot of resources for this one guy, like, he definitely helps multiple players in multiple positions, not just like that one of eleven starting slots on defense. Um, I got I got a trade situation for you. Who yes, says no in this? The Jets give up Quinn and Williams, and the Jags give up Josh Allen. Both entering the last year of their rookie contracts. They're both like just like ascending star pass rushers. I would say Quinton Williams is better and probably will be better, but like arguably Josh Allen plays the more valued position on the edge. Man, I don't think the Jets would do that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if anything, like the Jags would have to throw in a little bit more. Josh Allen and a third round pick for Quinton. You doing that? Yeah. I was going to say like third or fourth. Josh Allen and a second round pick for Quinton. You doing that? Yeah, I guess because in that circumstance, it feels like it's like do that and then sign Quinn into an extension and have him long term as opposed to like getting a comp pick for Josh Allen. Yeah. So then again, yeah. Roy Robson Harris or Caleb Chase would be your starting edge defender. I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> edge is already like the depth there is already a concern. So like I have no idea what they would do. Like if yeah. they did either of these trades, and again, it's like a 0.001%. Then like they would also have to find figure out some kind of trade for like just a rotational edge guy at the very least, I feel like. Yeah. 
that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Like I think, I think either move, like Quinn or Donald, would put the Jags over the hump. I mean, I know it's going to be hard for the Jags to make a trade because of the Calvin Ridley thing, but like I, I think that it could still make like a Marcel Darius type move. You know, trade a day three pick for you know a player who's maybe on the outs with the organization. I. I'm trying to think who that would even apply to. Like, I'm not sure who the Marcel, Marcel Darius's of this year's potential trade deadline group would be. I mean, but, you could do like Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox because they're like used to play under Doug Peterson. But at ooh. the same time, they like their connections with like Philadelphia and that organization are like have to be way stronger than just their bond with Doug. I it's possible. I would give up a. Fourth round pick for Fletcher. Especially because Philadelphia's defensive line is so deep since they just drafted um, who they just got. Carter in the draft. And then they got Davis the year before. So two straight first round defensive tackles. I don't know. How how about this? What would you give up for Cam Jordan? Ooh. I feel like last year he like stepped off a little bit, but like he's so good. He's one of those guys. If you look at like sacks over the last like decade, he's like up there, like top three or five. Would you trade for Chase Young? Third for Cameron Jordan. Chase Young. <laughs> that would be weird because like I feel like all the trades we've discussed so far are like win now moves, and then Chase Young would be like a weird like. You definitely get better now, but it's also like more for the future. But yet, like I would, I would, I would trade for him. I don't know what like anything about his injury and like how serious that is. And I feel like it's a back injury, right? Which is ACL. Oh, it's a, oh close. Yeah, ACL. <laughs> What's the recovery time for ACLs nowadays? Like two months. He's he's, he's supposed to be fine. Yeah, I would, I would trade for Chase Young. Okay. I feel like we've already talked about Buda Baker before. I won't even bring him into the mix. That would be a defensive tackle where it's like, yeah, your defense definitely gets better, but at the same time, like your depth at the like two most positions in corner and edge are like still questionable even after this cool move. Yeah. It'll be weird. Devin White. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It depends on like what the asking price is because he just got ranked like fifth in ESPN's linebacker rankings, which is like Insane. which is like maybe like their worst ranking of like the entire series so far. Well, then you see Shaquille Leonard at six, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would still say Leonard is like I would say Leonard is better. But yeah, I, I don't like... I don't think he's a top six Leonard in the NFL right now. <laughs> but is he a top six Shaquille? Probably not. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think like Devin White could be like one of those pieces that's like, like the last fit in the puzzle of like a like super rotational guy. Like I'm thinking like I'm thinking like like Sean Livingston to the Warriors, where it's just like that one extra piece like takes them distance almost. And like Sean Livingston or like that kind of player, like Justin Houston would be another one where it's like an old vet is typically who you would think of, but. I feel like Devin White, as long as you don't have too high of expectations for him, and again, as long as the asking price isn't absurd, like he could be a pretty like valuable, not role player because he'll play a ton of snaps, but <laughs> that type of player for the Jags defense. I mean, there's the Mike Caldwell connection too. Right. Yeah, and like I feel like they probably drafted Devin Lloyd to be <laughs> what they wanted Devin White to be. Would you trade a Devin for a Devin? How many Devins does it take for? Yeah. <laughs> What like what what question even is that? I don't even know. Would you? Devin White's about to have to get paid. Devin Lloyd, you got on cost control for the next couple yeah, years. Yeah, like as of today, I would not. If it's like mid season and it's a clear upgrade, and the Jags have lost hope on Lloyd, then it's like understandable. It, and again, you gets, do you yeah. think he only gets until mid season to make his case? Well, it's just that. You only get to trade up until midseason. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we'll be right back after these next words from our sponsors, and we'll have some more Jaguars talk and even some non-Jaguars talk for you. All right, Gus, let me have it. What what am I going to completely dominate you in verbally now? What 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 am I gonna make you tap out? I I, I, I want people to know I am the rankings champion. They love my rankings. People love my rankings. <laughs> you got, got too subjective. I was trying to do I don't even know. No, you you were trying to be fair and balanced and unbiased, and none of that applies here. <laughs> yeah. all right you're 2-0 that's you got a 2-0 lead it's gonna be a long series my friend all right so we'll we'll see what happens you I'll can talk, score. I'll talk later do you I'll know what the score. do you know what the percentage is like outcome was for the last one i didn't give me a, give me a, if you give me a minute i could but i'm okay all right you look today I'm nervous for you today john and i are gonna do non-Jaguars rankings. Today we're ranking give you a chance. television characters of all time. So, as always, we're going to go from number 10 to number 1, and I will have a poll out on Twitter at some point later today or tomorrow asking you guys to vote. I will accept pity votes. I'm not beneath that. You can vote for me just to keep the, the series tally interesting. All right, I, I got the results already. Just automatically. The results from the last one were Gus 25.2, John the Brain Shipley 4.8%. And the first reply is <laughs> I already know what it is. Bro, Gus does not know how to make a ranking list. <laughs> With like four crying emojis. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say it's harder than it looks, but it's like it's not that hard. No, it's I don't know. The, in an incredibly easy field, it's one of the easiest things I've ever done. I almost feel like it's like it's tough getting like stacked up next to the brain because it's like if you looked at like my rankings by themselves, like I'm sure, or at least I would like to think that like no one would have an issue with them. But then when no. you're when, when you're just comparing them one-on-one, then it's like, oh, yeah. The worst guys, he sucks. As the man Bill Shakespeare once said, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. The man Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes. <laughs> I hadn't heard Shakes before. All right. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm losing it. We got to get through these rankings. You want to kick this off? Your 10th? Okay, yeah. Number 10. You ready? I'm ready. I'm sitting down. Okay. Probably the only good character on the show, Gata from Dave. Okay. I, I, I'm i trying to think of what he said. Is, it's like, it's, God, I, I'm trying to remember what exactly he said his name stands for. But Dave is a terrible character. Uh, his manager's pretty good but mo- most of the characters in there taco from odd future plays the guy who makes his beats and he's completely yeah but gata completely makes the show and one of probably the funniest characters i've you know ever seen on a tv show i uh, to, to me a good character is somebody who either makes me feel a lot of things whether that's you know confliction laughter etc or somebody i'd just like to hang out with and gator from dave i would i would definitely hang out with that it's only you want to hang out with like do you watch it at all no i was gonna say like some of my friends keep trying to put me on it and i'm like i don't know because like the dave character is like even though i like or like is a strong word i think his music <laughs> is fine or like then like i don't really want to watch like 20 minutes at a time no, no D- dave bird like the character in the show despicable a- absolutely unlikable horrible hate him hate him hate him hate him <laughs> but, but like it in like the last episode of like season three him and for some reason brad pitt are being like held hostage by like a crazy stalker fan yeah and gator comes over and they're trying to give him a bunch of hints that this girl's a stalker and stuff, and he's just vibing with her, just like kicking. He's like, "Oh, you guys are hanging out? Cool." <laughs> he, it's he's he's awesome. So, all right, well, uh, 
Maybe I'll, your... maybe I'll watch the show just for Gata. There you go. All right, let's let's hear your. My number ten is Red Foreman from that seventies show. Because when I was first putting together rankings, I wasn't really thinking about anyone from this show. Because like it is a good show, but none of the characters like really stand out a ton except for Red because he's like one of those like elite side characters. And the thing I love about him is he just has like one of the greatest running bits in TV history with like the uh in your ass. Yeah, it's like just the entire series. He's like coming up with different ways to say it. So I, I love a good bit, and that's one of the greatest bits I've seen. So what, what, tenth spot. There's an episode where like Eric is mocking him, and he's like, "I wish I was an octopus, so I could put eight feet in eight different asses." <laughs> and, yeah, that's oh yeah, it's like when they do it back at him. Yeah, yeah I forget the guy like with that with the fro, but he like will like say it to Red like before Red can get it out. It's, my, uh, it's one of those bits that just like grows so much. It's good. My dad definitely wanted to be Red Foreman. He, he definitely <laughs> wanted to emulate him, but he 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 didn't he didn't he didn't get bald until we left the house. So it mm. it didn't quite develop. But all right, I'll give you that. All right, your number. Red, Red's a good call. Red's a good call. He was he's on my honorable mentions list. Okay, nice. All right, give me a number nine. All right, my number nine is Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. This is kind of the opposite of my with uh, conundrum with that seventy show where like there was a lot of characters from Friday Night Lights I wanted to put on because I really like Coach Taylor. Like I want to be with him when I grow up, basically. Not actually, but he just seems like a like I always feel like he's like a great role model whenever I watch like the role model of television. Um, and then I'm obsessed with Buddy Garrity. Like anytime he talks, I just burst out laughing. But to me, like Tim Riggins is the like, best and most iconic character from the show. You, you would pick somebody played by Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, I don't know him from anything else. I didn't even know that was his name. Yeah. I can honestly say I've never seen an episode of Friday Night Lights. And the oh, weird thing is, John, I love... John. I love the movie. See, I love the movie so much. I don't want the TV show to ruin it. I mean, I'm biased because I'm like a football slash sports fan. So like, I'll eat up that kind of stuff pretty easily. But sure, I'm I'm not known to like football. <laughs> it's a I, it's a genuinely good show. You, it, it's worth it's worth trying. Like, it's one also one of those ones where like, if you watch like the first two or three episodes, like you'll know whether or not you like it. And whether I will, I will it. say, I'm a big Kyle Chandler fan. The guy who plays the head coach. Yeah, he's great. I do like him. His wife is like honestly probably the best character on the show. She's she plays like his wife in the. Uh, I was gonna say the president, the principal of the high school. Um, and then there's like a young Michael B. Jordan at the end. There's that is guy looking be- bad with the blonde guy who's just like a weirdo. Is it better than the movie? I don't know. I don't know if I've seen the movie. So we're not How have you not seen the movie? Friday Night Lights. I look Billy up. Bob Thornton, Booby Miles. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. He I can see. throw, he can run, he can catch. <laughs> and he can throw. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Come yeah, on, man. That one. You want to win? Put Booby in. <laughs> I, I. It's been too long since I've seen that, though. I don't know. It's a great, enough, yeah, it's a great show, though. Give me, give me uh, your I'll put it on rotation. I'll, I'll, I'll just give I'll, it a try. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'll get it. You, you got to convince Sarah to give it a try with me. I've okay. been trying to get her on a new show, so we're gonna go with that one. Okay. All right. Number nine. Have you ever seen Eastbound and Down? No, it's. I need to though. Kenny Powers. I, yeah. Yeah, Kenny Powers, man. He, he funny as all gets out, man. It. I. <laughs> Not a lot of bits I can repeat on the show. Yep. But definitely, definitely a show I think worth watching. Like just the entire premise of it, yeah, like a former like big name pitcher who, you know, is trying to relive his glory days, stuff like that. Yeah. And like to me, it's like every Danny McBride role since then is like based on Kenny Powers. So definitely recommend that. Don't watch it with young years around. I definitely was exposed to it <laughs> way before I should have been. Probably crafted some of my humor, but 
Good show. It's a good show. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one that would definitely be on my list if I'd seen it because the few clips that I have seen are hilarious. But I just, I don't know I, what's it on. I, it's just like one that I've never gotten around to. I guess HBO. All right. Well, got my parents' login, so I'll add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> good All call. Right, what's, your, uh, what's your number eight? All right. What's my number eight? Yeah. All right. Richie, this is a, this is a new one. This is a recent callback. Probably even probably shouldn't be on there, but I don't care. Richie from the Bear. I, 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 I have, you, have you watched it at all? No, this is about to be a terrible segment. If I just keep saying no, I haven't watched any of these shows. What? Watch I, the first season and watch the hot dog episode. Richie, okay. he, 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 he's like the perfect like for a show based in Chicago. He's like the most Chicago like character, you know, on the show. And he, season two, he has one of the best character arcs, and he, he's like him and the main character call each other cousin the entire show. He's not related to him at all. <laughs> and then the the main character's girlfriend season two starts calling him cousin. And I'm like, okay, why are you both calling him cousin? This is starting to cross some gray areas, but it, it it's a good show. I don't like the main, like Carm really at all, but Richie makes up for it. So I'm going to go with Richie from the list. bear. <laughs> yep. All right. Richie from the Bear. All right, my number eight is Abed Nadir from Community. Have you seen Community? Oh, I love Community. Yeah, Community is a great show. It's one of those one of the best like witty humor kind of shows. Um, I, I thought you were going to pick Chevy Chase's character. Oh my god, I do love him. I like he's he had some like behind the scenes backlash, so maybe it wouldn't have been cool. For the time. <laughs> I was gonna say they they don't love. Him. <laughs> yeah. I wish that I wish that Chevy Chase was like. A good person because I'm I love him as a character or as an actor. I think like, Christmas is one of my all time favorite. My dude, it was after watching that show that I discovered that he was such a horrible person. Yeah, pretty <laughs> that, tough. Like nobody basically has ever liked him. He's yeah, he does play a really funny character on the show, but Abed is really good too because he kind of starts off the show like or he's kind of socially awkward the whole show. But he starts off really socially awkward, and he can basically only talk in movie quotes, which is pretty entertaining for a little bit. But then eventually, like, I don't know, he's just like this like uh, genius who, like, I feel like at least once an episode, he would like drop some piece of wisdom like casually into conversation. So it's kind of hard for me to like explain how much like you can really appreciate it by watching it. But he's he's a really good and well written character. Yeah, that, that's a show I recommend everybody, you know, to watch. I know they're coming out with like a movie on it that will not have <laughs> Chevy Chase's character. But no. yeah, he, he's definitely one of the highlights of it. I recommend anybody to watch the the paintball episodes. You know, they're, mm. they're it's good content. Yeah, and like the ones where like they build forts all around and like yeah. all of like the school wide ones are like really good. Yeah, probably, like, the, ones. the Dungeons and Dragons one's really good too. Oh yeah. Is that the same one as the board game one where they like roll the dice and it's like different timelines. That would be Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I just know it has like the 14 side. I don't, I don't even want to call it a cube. You called yourself the brain earlier, so I'm pretty sure you have played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. What's wrong with playing Dungeons and Dragons? I've never played it, but. It's fine. Not that there's anything wrong yeah, with yeah. that. Okay. I, well, I'll, I'll admit, I, I I created a Warcraft character back in the day. Okay. That's about as far we, as my reach goes in that end. All right. We don't need to get too far down this train of thought. But <laughs> yeah. Good show. Good character. That's a good episode. Okay. Uh, I think I'm up with number seven. Uh, April Lovegate from Parks and Rec. Because this kind of goes with your theme of like, people I'd want to hang out with because my girlfriend is like basically a blonde April Ludgate, not to brag, but also like <laughs> April's like deadpan humor is just like incredible. Like I feel like her and Jason Bateman are like the two people I can think of in like comedy in the last decade of two who are just like so good at dry humor. Um, so yeah, April for me. All right. My next one, how Malcolm in the middle. He, He's known for Walter White, but to me, Hal will always be his breakthrough role. He, the best character on the show by far. He is one of the most insane 
characters ever created. You know, I just, I, every Howl episode was like a highlight episode. Like there's one episode where like they all forget the mom's birthday and stuff. And she goes to a batting cage of all places to, you know, vent and they get there, they get her a cake, a bunch of clowns there and stuff. And she obviously, she doesn't accept the gesture. And the one, the clown goes, come on, wide load. He's trying to do something nice for you. And he goes, <laughs> call her wide load. And the next like two minutes, there's a slow montage of him leading his kids into like a physical fist fight with clown <laughs> as the wife just watches with like romantic music playing in the background. It's, it's a good show. Oh, dude. So like adults beating up little kids is like great comedy. <laughs> like, obviously you have to know that it's like fake, but yeah, it's really good. Like Peyton Manning throwing footballs at like little kids on SNL. And then there's like a really good scene in always sunny. Um, where like Mac and Charlie are beating up these little kids that like stole their bikes. <laughs> uh, when, that's a it's good. When Peyton's doing the tattoo and he's like, you're, you're, "That's gonna look great." He whispers, <laughs> "You're gonna have that forever." <laughs> oh man, it's annoying how funny Peyton is sometimes. Like I feel like he had a really good like NFL honors monologue or something too. Yeah. He or like maybe it was like an ESPN commercial too. He's had some good stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, next. Let's hear it. Uh, what are we on right now? Did, did you just give me your number seven? Nine, ten, nine. Yeah, I did. All right, so you give me your number six. Don Draper. Come on. A- a- every man who's ever wanted to just smoke a cigarette while his personal and professional life just completely crumbles around him and wants to live a completely secret double life. I mean, come on, Don-, Don Draper was just cool. You know, that. I, I don't blame anybody who doesn't like the show because it is like a slow burn. It's not exciting at all. Like the best moments are like like really low key ones. But Don Draper is just cool to me, and I I won't ruin how it ends. But how it ends is a pretty pretty perfect first character, and to me, still, it's how I think of most interactions I have on Twitter comes from Don Draper, where. <laughs> A guy in the elevator is like, I feel sorry for you. And he looks at me and goes, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> yes. that. that. That's good. Okay. This is me adding to my list to watch Mad Men. Yeah. It, it, I, I like it, but I understand anybody who doesn't like it. I Like, the people whose, like, television opinions I respect, like, say that Mad Men's a, like, top five show. Yeah. And, um, and like, in the early days of, like, my Twitter, like 2013, I remember like the entire TL still like be live tweeting Mad Men every week. Mm, the good old days. The good old days. Wouldn't it be so cool if we just had like one app for all social media? It would. It, then life would be like perfect. I don't want to see any more of That's Elon Musk opinions. I, 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 <laughs> I want to see like 90% of what's on my current time. Yeah. I still haven't made a threads. I'm still holding back on that. Just kind of have a report on threads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you'll never see me on threads, but you can follow Jaguar report on there, baby. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That's what matters. Just got to get the content out. Uh, my number six is Thomas Shelby from Peaky Blinders. Okay. I like that. Have you seen Peaky? I've seen the first season. That's one. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, that's one that I'm always like, if you watch the first episode, like, I promise you'll be sucked in. And if you're not, like, you can drop it. And so I was. I you watched the first season, not anything else. I loved the first season. And I was watching it right about the time when I moved. And Sarah and I moved into our house. Mm. And I just never picked it back. Like, I was busy at the time and just never picked it back up. But I do love the first season. Yeah. I, I, like, that scene where, like, she sings him a, a song in the bar he's like yeah Happy Assad. yeah that's that's a good one so it I'm just waiting. keeps getting better man the show i mean but yeah thomas shelby is like one of those characters how you already can just like kind of like feel his power feel his presence in the room even when he's not talking yeah. and just one of those actors who can like do so much without really saying a word um so yeah i was also thinking about putting his brother arthur there instead just because i like arthur a lot and i think he's also like Maybe not as talented of an actor as Cecilian Murphy, but Arthur's yeah. pretty good too. But yeah, it's can, really, um, can I give you my 
Can we do our five through one and one punch and see who has the top five we prefer? Sure. Okay. All right. From five to one. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Hank Hill. Easy. Number five. Number four, George Costanza. Okay. Number three, Jesse Pinkman. Okay. Number two, Larry David as Larry David. Okay. And number one's obvious. I don't even got to say it. Yeah, you don't have to say it. Okay. Tony Soprano, the big guy. <laughs> hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. I, th- I was just going to try to keep going and not say it at all. <laughs> the assumption that that's who it was. Hey, I got Tone. Number five, Dennis Reynolds. Just always Sonny's my all-time favorite thing to watch, and he's my favorite character. Four, Michael Scott, U.S. Office. Three, Walter White, though I considered putting Jesse there instead. Well, Walter White. Two, George Costanza slash Larry David. And then <laughs> number one doesn't even need to be said. The big I, I, I love the Larry David, George, like him basing it on himself. Because when you get into Curb, how often he like calls back to it is perfect. Like they, like when they're trying to do like the Seinfeld reunion and he makes Jason Alexander mad so he won't come do it. And he's like, I can play George. I am George. And it's, <laughs> it's per And when he like uh, he has an entire like I think it's like the first season like Larry's like wife is trying to get him like to basically go back to work stop just sitting around the house and yeah. his idea is to make a sitcom for Jason Alexander where his character is known for only being known for one role. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's perfect. so good. I like the thing yeah. is I I know a George one of one of my best friends from high school and college he. Uh, love him, love him to death, but so many George isms, and I, I feel like we all That's know a George. Great. One of my uncles reminds me a little bit of George, just in like his like mannerisms, like the way he like sighs and stuff like that. But I feel like Larry David is just like such a comedy genius, and like the fact that he's like responsible for Seinfeld, basically, and then Curb, and it's just like I don't know, one of yeah. those guys that like kind of like changes how like shows are made, or just like how the industry is done. So I definitely I, wanted to get him up there. I, I would consume any Larry David content. I, I, I didn't really like the Larry David less Seinfeld seasons. And uh, yeah, that, the, one of the funniest like quotes I've seen this year about anything was, you know, Cheryl Hines who plays his wife in curb is married to RFK jr. And RFK jr. Gave like a quote to, I don't know if it was the New York Times or the New Yorker. It was something like that where he was like, I felt a lot of support from Cheryl's friends, especially Larry David. And they reached out to Larry David and Larry David was like, yes, I love and support him, but I don't support him. <laughs> that's a good, that's perfectly Larry David. So. Dude, he's hysterical. Well, we will see who, who the people like the most, but I, I will get on Friday Night Lights. Thanks to you guys. I can say All right, that. Sounds yeah. good. I will get, on one of the five shows I wrote down. I'll <laughs> start with Mad Men because I feel like that's like probably the best show that you said that I had had to watch. So and when we are back for training camp, there'll finally be enough football things going on that we don't have to talk about our favorite TV characters. <laughs> it, it's it's that point of the summer, folks. There there is there is nothing going on right literally the biggest story is the jack we're signing josh peterson right or like i feel like the biggest story is evan engram because his like contract extension date is in a week and it's like we we haven't gotten there yet it's just looking forward to it but let's go ahead and give our predictions on that before we hop off gus do you think evan ingram signs a new contract or do you think he plays on the franchise tag okay hot take of the show I think Evan Engram plays on the franchise tag, not just in 2023, but also in 2024. That's a good one, yeah? Write it down. All right, Write it write down. It down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have a hot take of the show. My yeah. hot take of the show is that Trailer Park Boys sucks. You like that show? <laughs> I've seen like five episodes. It makes me laugh when I like watch it, but I hate I've it. seen a lot of it. I hate it. I hate it so I much. I feel like it's got to be like just from like the little I've seen, like similar humor as uh, the one about like the old pitcher, Eastbound and Down. Go to hell. It's not similar at all. 
it just seems like similar like ambiance or something. maybe to a degree but i don't know i just I, I i don't like how it looks i don't know i just not a fan of it i, I think canada could have kept that one <laughs> i think i think the mounties deserve some disrespect for letting that one get out all right well two scorching takes on this week's podcast my my take on ingram I, I think he plays on the franchise tag, and I think he is. I think he plays for a different team next year, just because I don't know. I, I think they're going to use the franchise tag on either Calvin Ridley or Josh Allen. Don't ask me how the franchise tag would affect the Calvin Ridley trade conversation, because I don't know. And to be frank, I'm not sure they know. <laughs> I have no. I, I. I. That's a scenario that's never been done before. So I'm pretty sure the NFL would have to figure it out on the fly because. Like the stipulation is they owe him a second if he signs like a long term contract, but what if he right. gets franchise tag, you know? Because yeah, the draft pick would be a twenty twenty four pick. So if he signs an extension like in twenty twenty five. That would that be like the biggest galaxy brain move ever. It was already kind of like a big galaxy brain move to trade for Calvin Ridley with those like conditions at all. But if you can actually like sneak through the cracks like that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> every so, running back in an off-season video <laughs> <laughs> uh gus you got anything else for us before we depart until training camp my friend oh see you at training camp buddy all right well i was i am was jesus i am john shipley it's my co-host gus Slope. thank you for listening to the jaguar report podcast uh we'll be back together in a few weeks uh, i'll i'll be back you know solo next week you know after the Evan Ingram decision, just a little mini pod to basically talk about Evan Ingram. But Gus and I will be back in two weeks to talk about the start of training camp and how I am 3-0 and against them in our rankings. If you vote for Gus and not for me, don't bother listening next week. Thank you, everybody.